Welcome to Lunar Outpost, the podcast for Moonscar Recordings, a sliver-sized record label based in Berkeley, California. My name is Matt Silas, and I come to you on occasion to speak with our artists about their work. For our debut episode, I'm joined by Pete Gidland to talk about our very first full-length release, his new album, Instrumental Work, 2014 to 2021. This record was a long time coming, and in this interview, we talk about making a solo record after a lifetime of collaborating in bands, what ambient actually means to Pete, and the power of the number seven. With this new record, we're flipping the script and releasing physical copies on vinyl and CD first. They're being manufactured as we speak, and we look forward to shipping them at the end of 2022. I hope you enjoy this first little taste of the music and our conversation. I am in my backyard with my good friend Pete Gidland, and uh, we're kicking off here um, the first of hopefully many uh, podcast episodes um, where I get to talk to artists that um, this little label of mine, Moonscar Recordings, is representing. And the very first album, it seems so fitting to me actually, that the very first album that we are uh, putting into the world is by someone I hope you all know really well, and that's Pete Gidland. We've spent a lot of time collaborating, working on projects over the years. We did a podcast for a long time called Click Track and another one called The Musical Moment. And now we're collaborating in a kind of different way. I've been thinking for a long time about starting a little tiny record label, and Pete has been working on a body of work since 2014, sort of his own take on things, and he's getting ready to release an album. We're getting ready to release an album together. So Pete, hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm all right. All right. Uh, maybe you can tell the story of how this album came into being. You know, I mean, this is going to be a long story that we suss out over the, the course of this interview, but um, the first half, the first side of the vinyl record that we're going to do is um, is like a sort of a complete project that I did in 2014. And you even helped me, we collaborated on that because you helped me... We, uh, you know, do the the artwork, and I put out a little CDR. Um, and then the second half is stuff that I've basically been working on, music that I've been working on since then. Um, and this is it's, it's all instrumental music um, that I've been working on. So I play in bands where I sing and play guitar, and they're real songs, and they have choruses and verses and things like that. And this is not that. This is just instrumental stuff that's always been, you know, this is stuff that I've been working on for literally the last you know seven eight years maybe you can tell me a little bit about some of your favorite music what, what's the music that you come from the music that you sort of that that has been sort of central to your taste and also to what you've wanted to make mm-hmm. i come from like a punk and indie background like since i was in high school during the 90s the alternative era and then the late 90s radio started sucking and a lot of us went sort of indie and punk and whatnot and and so i come from that and at the same time what was happening was um alt country right with bands like uncle tupelo and wilco and sunvolt and things like that um and so country music became a part of my landscape and my language but i think most of all i think i've always kind of gravitated towards i'm not a lyrics guy necessarily like i don't think about I'm not looking for the words first. I really need music to sort of put me in some visual place. And if the lyrics help, that's fine. But I need the music to put me in a, to give me some kind of mental visuals or something. And so, um, so yeah, it makes sense that I'm doing instrumental music with, with, with this, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about 
what it's like to work on your own uh, versus working in the context of a band. Working on your own means you don't have to please anybody. This was extremely on my own because it was literally just kind of like almost it, it's little bit by little bit like almost like um, at, at the time at least for this for side B of this record um, it was done almost like a, a journal style like notebook style like before I lose my thought I would record something and then eventually that became the actual music the the snippets mm -hmm. that I that I just put down so I didn't forget them mm -hmm. um, so doing it that way, it means you're totally alone. It means you're not doing it for anybody. Mm -hmm. Almost not even yourself, because you're just sort of recording things before you forget them. I was almost doing it unwittingly, at least for the, at least for the second half of, of this record. Well, take me back, uh, take me back to Abiquiu. What is Abiquiu? Like, uh, what happened there? Um, how'd you find the place? And then, and then how did that lead to music? Yeah, so you're talking about side A is something that it, Side A consists of a CDR I put out and gave to friends, um, and it, we called it uh, Abiquiu Impressions. And it was back in like 2014, 2015. My wife Jill had just like she was just like this is pre-pandemic and everything. She was just like tired of people, and you know you everybody reaches that point where they're just like oh I've had it right. Oh yeah. And um, she was she was like just real heightened and was just like i'm gonna i want to move out into the desert and live in a yurt and um you know she's just like saying these like exasperated statements and then i was like i was like fine then do that like put your money where your mouth is and maybe something good will come from it and so she went online right there and booked an airbnb literally a yurt in the middle of the desert in new mexico near a place called abiquiu or an area of New Mexico called Abiquiu and we lived in a yurt for for a little over a week our kids we had three really little kids at the time so you don't get much personal time so we'd give each other like a half an hour every day of like hey you get to be by yourself right and during my half hour I would go to the little outbuilding and I would I had an iPad and I had brought a, um, a ukulele and a guitar and so with the onboard mic on my iPad I I just tried to do like a song a day. And what that meant was like, I would put down these ideas onto the iPad, just these little phrases really quick. And then at night when everybody went to bed, I would stay up and sort of edit them. And it became these, each day became its own distinct, like quote unquote song. And I think I had about eight of them by the time I was done. And um, yeah, and I put that out as a little CD for friends, little CDR for friends. Um, but I think with this, we wanted, we were, you and I were like, let's put that out on vinyl, and I had been working on some other music too. Before you mentioned uh, visuals and how they sort of play into music making for you, and, and I just wonder if you can go into a little bit more detail about like the time that you spent in the little outbuilding, like what that process looked like. I mean, I, I get there was an iPad and everything, but... Yeah, I think I really was trying to connect to the... To the uh, the geography and what things looked like in the desert and the feelings of being in the desert. I, I titled the songs that way too, but the title doesn't mean anything in an instrumental song. Um, but the music does. and So it, it literally is the musical expression of what I was seeing, mm -hmm. I guess is what I, what I would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's literal. Like, honestly, like one song is called... I think it's called Circle Within a Square or something like that. I don't remember the song title right now, but the yurt, a yurt is a circle. Mm -hmm. And this yurt sat on a square 
wooden deck mm. up like you know five feet above the desert floor right mm -hmm. and so I, literally I was imagining this structure and so I thought about how would I musically create um, a circle within a square So you can listen to the song and see if that, if you if you can tell what I was thinking. But but I was also thinking about like the desert landscape and stuff. On the way out, driving um, through Route 66, you get a from California to New Mexico. You start to see these horizons developing on either side of you, um, of of sort of like you know these sort of mesa rock structures. And at first they're kind of like angled and and, and later they become flatter. And, um, I got a sort of a geometric idea. And I was drawing it uh, on the way out in the car. And it, and, it, and it was kind of this geometric idea that I was using as like a model for song structure. Um, and I won't, I, you know, I won't go into it. You can't even see the drawing because we're just talking. Yeah. So I won't, I won't belabor that point. But that also was like a focus is that I was trying to work off of this like visual model, that, which is like a line drawing of sorts. Well, and when I've talked to you before in the past about like playing guitar and, and thinking about chords and that sort of thing you often talk to me about like geometric patterns like the way that you, you you're very much like visualizing music yeah I tend to write things on the guitar based on what it looks like on the fretboard mm -hmm. I mean I, I understand the theory behind it too right so I know which notes are gonna sound good and which notes aren't but I like to make cool shapes on the guitar and then the other thing too is that then when I play that does it feel good does it feel good to play it so there's like music should kind of feel good or it feel if it feels bad if it's like hard to play and it feels bad then that should give you a certain feeling mm -hmm. and that feels good mm -hmm. um so so i think of those two things when i'm writing is the way that it looks on the fretboard and how it feels when i play it mm -hmm. All right, well, let's talk about The Lost Notebook. Let's talk about Side B. You, you alluded to it a, a, a little earlier, but I'm curious if you can talk about how the, so the, really the first chunk of the work was 2014 and 2015. Uh -huh. And that, that you really kind of sealed up into this, this small project that you, that you handed out. The second part of the album, though, is a collection of pieces that grew over the intervening years between 2015 and 2021. And I'm just curious if you can talk uh, a little bit about how that came to be and how all those pieces are sort of connected. Uh-huh, yeah. I think I took the same... So in the time between then and now, it, that, that New Mexico trip and now, then I used kind of that same idea of what if I just record a little idea and, and then maybe later I have a similar idea or something that might sound interesting with that. Um... Or maybe not. There's just like different ideas recorded in in the the digital world, mm -hmm. 
and then put those together like a collage later. Um, which, which in New Mexico, I was just doing that very night and then sealing up that song. This was more of like an open project where I would have an idea and liter really literally, I would grab my phone and turn on the voice memo app and put it by my acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I have a like a cheap uh, snowball mic for, for podcasting. When you and I used to have a podcast together, and I would take that mic and just put it in front of my guitar amp, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not a great mic. This is not what you want to use for a guitar amp. But um, And then I would just, like, get a little idea down onto the computer. And then, uh, and then as I travel, because traveling is also a part of it, I think, when I'm a busy person, I don't have a lot of time. I'm in bands. I have a demanding job. I have a, a you know three kids and a home and all that stuff, right? I do not have you know discretionary time. And or as I as <laughs> Heard, I tell people, chef. like I don't yeah right. I don't live a quiet life, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and and um, and so when I'm traveling, often for work, then I have some time to to just like sit and edit and do those kind of things. And so. Um, during that sort of travel time. Also, traveling gets you sort of outside of your own stresses and whatnot. And then I would be editing those things into coherent uh, pieces. And that, and really, that just took years to kind of develop. And um, eventually, when we were talking about, like, hey, what would it be like to put this out? Then I went, I traveled again. I went away, um, stayed in a stayed in an Airbnb by myself and just spent, like, a day and a half putting sort of finishing touches on all these things mm -hmm. so and then finally editing them um you know recording some finishing touches recording some other instruments um so that to make them coherent and 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 finished and then edited them and was done with it mixed them and, and was done um so so that was the process for that second side and the idea of the lost notebook the reason we called it that is because um there literally was a spiral bound notebook where I would write down like chord figures, like shapes, like I was talking about before, like these are interesting shapes. And then I would have notes on like how to play them or how many times to strum each one. Um, and it wasn't, some was written down in like staff music, like like you would read on a page of, of sheet music. And some of it was just like literal handwritten notes or would be chord shapes or um, instructions on how, what the dials to turn on the, on the guitar pedal right make it like this or uh make it echo this many times and and so forth and um the problem was that then i i would lose the notebook for a while as my life became busy and then i'd find it again and then i would try to play the stuff on guitar or i would try to uncover the recording somewhere and see if they fit with that page or whatever and um, it became interesting because then I was trying to make sense out of the chords and it would probably turn into not what I originally intended, but turn into something. Mm -hmm. And then I would record that. And even the computer files themselves, the, I was still just using GarageBand, but this time on a laptop, I would not think about them for nine months to a year mm -hmm. and then come back to that file and be like, oh, I wonder what I was thinking here. And then I would develop it into something else. So in that way, the computer became like the notebook in the sense that I would lose it and and then find it again and try to have to interpret my own thoughts. Mm. Um, and so that's that's an interesting exercise, unintentional, but but it's fun because then you, then you, like, what could I make of this? Well, and it's interesting because I feel like this, the, the pieces of, of music 
there, there's, there are a lot of layers to them, you know? And you kind of, it almost feels like sedimentary layers and what you're describing kind of goes along with that. Like when I listen to the music, I feel these different layers that, and, and I wasn't thinking about them as emerging necessarily over time, mm -hmm. but it makes a ton of sense, you know, hearing what, you, what you're saying now. I want to pivot a little bit to talking about like ambient music. Uh -huh. um, I know, like, since I've known you, uh, you know, I, I, you've always been a person who's who's enjoyed and and been a fan of ambient music. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'm curious if and where this record kind of falls into the constellation of of music, be it ambient, be it you know, like, yeah. where where does it fit for you? Yeah, it's kind of ambient adjacent, right? I mean, one way I think about it is that it, like, you you might hear, not even, this is just an aside from the ambient thing, but you might hear uh, uh, almost like country and folk instruments, but in the end, it almost feels like a electronic record. Mm -hmm. It feels like electronic music to me, mm -hmm. even though it, most of it is not, and none of it is really digital instruments. Yeah, it's all even the synths are being projected through an amp. Um, so, uh, so you uh, at least on side B. So, um, but it's kind of like acoustic, folky country instruments. But it comes off feeling like an electronic record. That's interesting to me. wasn't intentional. But I think that I think of like ambient music as a backdrop. I I, I think of. Um, like Daniel Lanois is a is a colleague of of uh, Brian Eno, who and Brian Eno is off. Uh, you know, people talk about him inventing um, ambient music, but but Daniel Lanois has a record I think called um, Belladonna, and he has a song on it called Frozen. And there's and there's a lot of like ambient type of tracks on that. By the way, Daniel Lanois also he plays a country instrument on that. He plays a, a pedal steel through through the through the album. Um, which is traditionally a, a country, like a Nashville instrument, right? And um, but it's kind of an ambient record. And in the song called "Frozen" on that record, it's basically a reggae song that he has a um, he has a drummer playing a one-drop beat, which is the which is the quintessential reggae beat. It's what re makes reggae reggae. <laughs> it falls in in line with reggae but you but it reads as ambient it mm -hmm. reads as a wash of stuff in the back and that's interesting to me because we think of ambient music as like you think of some guy like 
taking his index finger and pressing down like one key for five minutes. Oh, maybe ambient music is something that like you're not supposed to understand what you're hearing or mm -hmm. something like that. But like, but that song for me that you hear what's happening and you know the instruments. They're very. It's there's a bass, a drum, and a pedal steel. That's all that's there. Mm. But at the same time, it kind of washes in your brain mm -hmm. the way the ambient music does, and um, and that's interesting to me. So I think I think I'm more like that side of things than the than the sort of just like sort of like synthesizer path. When you started working on this stuff, you weren't like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write an ambient album. It's more that what emerged from the process that you that you followed mm -hmm. as a as an independent like one man show uh -huh. became something that has a little bit of the flavor of country, has a little bit of the flavor of folk, but is arranged in such a way that it becomes more landscape, more more spatial. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think I've always been, you know, I've always been really interested in the um, taking two things that aren't related and putting them together and see how it sounds. So I've especially always been interested in, like, uh, if you put sort of, like, quote-unquote country music with especially electronic things or electron electronic instruments or electronic approaches mm -hmm. then like what does that create yeah without being like kitschy yeah right 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 without being like too uh genre aware yeah 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 or like or like oh i'm gonna do you know like uh, that record uh trans by neil young mm -hmm. um where it's like this where he just like used all synthesizers mm -hmm. right so he's like i'm gonna do like my neil young you know rock but i'm gonna do it with synthesizers yeah. like i don't you know i want to avoid stuff like that sure even yeah. though that's a yeah. that is a great record but. yeah yeah but you but like yeah it's not about the gimmick as much as it is about like the thing that kind of emerges from from constraints from time from a process right yeah yeah, yeah. okay i want to talk a little bit about um you know sort of the the inspiration versus perspiration i mean i think i'll bet 75 percent of the people who are listening to uh, us talk right now have some kind of project somewhere that is at some point of creation completion you know and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about like finishing something yeah. uh, and and you know how you specifically how you went about finishing this thing but also more generally uh, how how you go from taking something that is you know truly like inspired, and then kind of the hard work of getting it done. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question because it took a long time, right? Because it wasn't a super big priority, or at least I was comfortable with just letting it take a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I was like a, and that's side B, right? That's the that's the lost notebook side of like, hey, I'm, this is just going to take like seven years. Or it ended up taking seven years. Sure. I didn't have a plan for it, right? <laughs> yeah. And you you pose that to like the side A, which is the ABQ impression side, where it's like, hey, I'm gonna make a song a day, yeah. and it's gonna be seven days or eight days or whatever, and and I'm gonna come out with seven songs or eight songs. Um, but for side B, it was just like I don't know what's gonna happen to this, mm -hmm. um, and so I think with some creative works, you have to be comfortable with like I don't know what's gonna happen. This one just happened more, um, m more organically, and then and then at the end when like you and I started, you know, sometimes you as a collaborator come in as like a, 
you know, with ideas and advice and kind of like an encouragement and stuff. And so you kind of came in and you were like, well, what's what's going to happen to that stuff that you're working on right now? Or what happened to what happened to that CDR that you gave to friends? Would you like more people to hear that kind mm-hmm. of thing? Yeah. And um, and then it was like, oh, yeah, I could I could just put some finishing touches on what I'm working on. It's pretty much done. Mm-hmm. And so then then it really was time to get serious. I just think that like there's some stuff that you do need to get done today or tomorrow mm-hmm. and you want to you have a high priority for that and and it's funny how this became a priority mm. and so I guess what I would say is that like some things you got to let flow naturally it's not necessarily a procrastination mm-hmm. and I think that creative people with some of their projects are shamed into feeling like they're being a procrastinator mm-hmm. I should finish this short story mm-hmm. right but what happens if you put it on the shelf and you revisit it in like five years? What insight would your would your five years older self have for that short story? How did you know it was time to finish this thing up? Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think uh, there's some d- different things at play. One could be this is kind of a more metaphysical one. I do think that there's something significant to um, to a seven year period, um, and I think that's been a theme in my life. Um, uh, actually, one of the bands that I've been in seven years was part of the title because uh, because of that same reason. I think when I think if you and I'm not like this. I'm not like this in any other sense, like superstitious or metaphysical or whatever. But like, um, uh, if you if you look at your life and you look at like something that happened to you and look at yourself seven years away from that, probably there's significant things this uh, it's just there's just something to it mm-hmm. um i'm gonna sound you know like a total no nah. uh i, I can vouch for the s- fact like... i can vouch for the fact that pete is not the kind of person who goes around with crystals uh or or uh, throwing salt over his shoulder or avoiding black cats under ladders right so um so there's that um i think too i think that just like you know i'm 43 years old and it's kind of like I've been doing this since I was a kid, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, just things like, uh, I, I do think that this is like something, again, it's just things you've touched on coincidentally, like doing it by myself. I don't really have any music that I've done like by myself mm-hmm. that's sort of out in the world proper. Um, I've always done collaborations and been in bands with people and stuff like that. And so, um, so it's like, hey, I'm getting older. I don't know when I'll have the chance to do this again. Um, uh, I, I think I have a little more headspace because my kids are a little bit older, so I'm not like, you know, making sure that babies don't fall on their heads and things like that. <laughs> and um, and uh, it just kind of felt like time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, that's funny that you think I was talking about finishing the record first, mm-hmm. and then you came up with the idea for putting it out and yeah, and um, and doing a label because I think that you were talking about putting you know encouraging me to put the record together so part of it i would say is you encouraging me to finish up the record and put it together so i don't know it's kind of a chicken and egg situation there it is yeah it totally is well okay so let's talk a little bit about the future i I remember having conversation with you at one point about this desire to write stuff that you could sort of single-handedly perform uh-huh. And and I'm curious how how this album tracks with some of those goals. Like, does this album feel like something that you would that you could perform live, 
that you'd want to perform live that like is that is that but has that been any part of of your your thinking mm -hmm. about the actual because i feel like this was maybe three or four years ago we talked about like you know you you had a water drum and you, you were you were experimenting with some different instruments and thinking about how could i create sort of a live musical experience and i'm curious if there's a yeah connection so i think the second song or the second piece of music it's not really a song on the second side i have performed it live a couple times and I did that with, I would set my water drums up, which are these gourds that are, these gourd instruments that I grew and made that I float on water in a, in a galvanized tub. And then I have like a couple of amps and I have a lot of pedals and, and, and a small synthesizer and they're all kind of queued up and everything's sort of triggered live and whatnot and my guitar. And I've, I've performed that piece a couple of times. It's just really hard to do because mm -hmm. you have to. It's a one-man band situation, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of effort. Um, so yeah, maybe the next thing is like mobilizing. Maybe that'll be my next project is figuring yeah. out how to how to um, perform live. Yeah. But some of these, I I don't know that you ever could. Mm -hmm. um, at least not just with one person. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting, and it's most interesting to to me to try to play them with one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds uh yeah with with performing them live well listen we've spent the last half hour talking about this thing and now i'm wondering if you can uh, share with our audience uh how to get their hands on your new album yeah it's it's pretty easy you can go to moonscar.studio so moonscar one word dot studio mm -hmm. and um you could pre-order um you could pre-order it there and so we're doing um we're doing vinyl and the first 100 copies is a special limited pressing um, that will be hand numbered and hand and sign each one signed mm -hmm. uh, by me and then um, so it's kind of a special limited edition and then um, and then there will be CDs for order as well so whether you do CDs or or vinyl um, go to moonscar.studio and you could pre-order that mm -hmm. and then we will get it from the plant in December, mm -hmm. and then ship it out when we get it, and we'll we'll be updating people who purchase. We'll be updating them on when the ship date is and stuff. So we're pretty excited. Yeah, it was super excited. And in fact, we just heard from our manufacturer that they are uh, shipping us our first five test pressings to to make sure that it, it actually sounds good. And, and we're going to be getting our hands on those in the next week or two. So can't wait to actually hear what it sounds like to put a stylus down on some vinyl and and hear some some music come out of that thing. So. Um, well, I am, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this music and a huge fan of this album, and I, I really uh, can't wait for the world to be able to hear it. One thing to say on that front, um, we are doing something a little different with this release. Uh, you know, we live in a digital age, in a digital world, um, but we are uh, kind of intentionally making uh, physical available first. Uh, Pete and I are both big fans of, of albums, like a, a you know the whole thing as opposed to releasing singles and that sort of thing so um, this physical stuff will be available first you know around the end of the year is when it'll be shipping and then uh, early next year we'll also be releasing it out to the major streaming services and that sort of thing but but really our hope for for all of you is that you can actually hear the whole album the album in its entirety you know like those sound waves bouncing through uh, the, the speakers in the walls of your house or in your car or wherever and, and that, that's that's the way that, that we intend for it to be heard. Yeah, so you won't you won't actually be able to hear it 
for a long time unless unless uh, you get the, the vinyl or the CD copy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, Pete. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to, to talk through this process. Yeah. And um, it's fun being in your backyard. <laughs> it's great to have you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Houston looks real good.